Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 157. John and Wendy talk to Tamara Raspberry and Talia Edmondson. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I am well. Hard to believe we're at the end of the month. Yeah. Uh, this episode is the last to be sponsored in February by our friends at Humoriso. So again, thanks to John Baldino and, and his team at Humoriso for sponsoring us uh, for the month. It's been a, a great, great conversations throughout. You know, Wendy, we haven't talked about a chat in the podcast in a while. We did want to mention very quickly, though, that the chat this coming weekend, we're really excited about it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, employee appreciation with our friends at Bonusly. You know, and it's always fun to partner with Bonusly with everything else that's got that we've got planned for that week. Chat kicks it off, and I think it's going to be fun. They've got some great ideas. They're doing some wonderful stuff. So I hope everyone can join us. Be a great conversation, and they will be giving away prizes, <laughs> including socks. And for those of you, I know some of you that listen uh, like socks. Yes, Bonusly has fantastic socks. socks We've each received awesome. a few gifts from them, and yeah, highly, highly enjoy yes. them much. So uh, again, join us this Sunday, seven PM Eastern Time, HR Social Hour on Twitter. Check us out during the week for several things we're doing with Bonusly to celebrate up to Employee Appreciation Day, which is the day after the show comes out, March five. Awesome. <laughs> Wendy, we told everybody a few episodes ago we were going to be doing things a little yep. differently as we go throughout the year. I'm going to subtitle this one the consultant episode, <laughs> I think. Look forward to having a conversation with both these ladies about what they do and how they do it. I'll stop talking. Let's make the introduction and get started. So excited to welcome Tamara and Talia to the show tonight, uh, TNT. And I'm just going to put a plug that you guys got to get those stickers we talked about because that would be awesome. First off, Tamara Raspberry. She currently serves as the Director of HR and Operations for a national nonprofit organization and is the owner of Raspberry Consulting, LLC, an HR consulting firm specializing in developing strategies for inclusion, diversity, equity, and belonging with a focus on addressing mental health in the workplace. Her over 20 years of HR and nonprofit experience have included in-house and consultant roles with nonprofit organizations of all sizes in the D.C. metro area. Tamara serves on the Ethics Advisory Board for Arena Analytics, holds the SHRM Inclusive Workplace Culture Specialty Credential, and is certified in mental health first aid. And welcoming for the first time, Talia. Talia Edmondson has spent nearly 20 years in human resources. She is most known for building the people operations function for the Philadelphia-based e-commerce company RevZilla.com, taking the organization from 40 employees to 475 in less than eight years. Talia launched HR&B Consulting to guide startups and small businesses as they think through developing people-focused workplaces. HR&B offers executive HR support, project-based consultation, functional coaching, and people operations team installation. Tamara and Talia, welcome to the show tonight. We're so excited to have you. And our first question, always, what is in your glass? Well, thank you, Wendy. This is Tamara. Do we have to say who we are when we speak? Because <laughs> people no. can't see us. Okay. I'm drinking iced tea right now. I'm drinking water, which is not really on brand for my scotch line there that I have, but it's, you know, it's Monday. I'm trying to keep it a little low key. It's Monday. And, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta hydrate. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I had water before this, you know. I think we're slowly but surely the, yeah, the answer is becoming much. water across the board. <laughs> it feels like the longer 
over the years, I don't know, we've all matured, <laughs> you know, as an audience, right. listeners, yeah. as guests, as podcasters. <laughs> it seems like the longer we go, you know, anyway. We understand the importance of hydration. <laughs> I think the longer we're at home too, I just feel like, let me not, you know, keep going, going into the little home bar. That turns, that gets a little dicey. Well, ladies, we, we know what you're both doing now. How though did each of you get your start in human resources? I got started actually kind of offhandedly a long, long time ago. I had a job and my supervisor at that job decided to go. I was working in federal government and decided to go to a different agency. And he said he was going to find a job for me at his agency. And a few months later, he gave me a call and was like, I found something for you. And it was in personnel. So that's how that's how I got into it. Gotta love the personnel. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they were calling it then. I quit college like every aimless like 19 year old that started going to college because they thought that's what they were supposed to do and got a job through a temp agency running payroll for at the time what was just a massive parent company to a massive chain of brick and mortar retail stores in, in women and men's fashion you know I like to learn as much as I could and um, jumped in when there was projects and realized that I did not want to run payroll forever. And I wanted the jobs that were kind of on the other side of the office that were people facing problem solving. And at the time, everyone, you know, was still very focused on college education. And I had a person in the department that was very kind to me and said, if you want to make this something for the rest of your life, you should really consider finishing that degree. And they had a tuition reimbursement program. I took advantage of that. And then I quit again. <laughs> and I just kept um, moving around and, and learning more because I just found the practical application of the function was more important than what you could learn at school. I did go ahead and finish that. But, you know, lots of stops and starts for the school piece, but really just kind of went all in on the education piece or on the work piece. We're talking really wanted to talk with you guys about you're both consultants and what led you to move into the consultant arena. And then how did you guys decide to partner up? It was a complete fluke and not at all part of my plan. I worked for Revzilla for almost eight years. I'd never worked for a startup before in my life. And the pace was nonstop for the entire time I was there. When you start out fewer than 50 employees, that's a unique situation to be in. Then when you go over 50, and then suddenly we were at 150 and 250, and it just kept going. And then we were operating out of three different cities. There was so much anticipation and trying to see around the curve. It never stopped. And I, I got hooked on the pace. It's not for everyone. I didn't know I would love it as much as I did. And I worked for three co-founders who were incredibly brilliant. And I think that made it fun, but also it was you know, the most stressful time of my entire life. But every day was completely different. When I left in December of 19, I had a team of eight people that reported to me. I was, the, the entire HR function fell under my purview. And it was just, it was time. There was a lot of changes in leadership and I wasn't going to be working for my friends anymore. So I just decided now now's the right time. And I had no plan. So I quit a job that had a career path uh, with no backup plan. 
And I just felt like, all right, I'm going to go work for another startup in the city. I'm a little biased, but I think Philadelphia is like one of the greatest cities in the whole wide world, but also very kind to startups. And I started interviewing with a lot of different founders in the area. And a few of them had heard about Revzilla. Some of them hadn't. You either heard of it because it's a Philly story or you ride a motorcycle or you have no idea that you think I'm mispronouncing Godzilla, basically. In speaking with them, you know, they had an idea of what they thought their HR function was supposed to be and, you know, the type of person that they wanted to lead it. And I was very honest with them. And I said, I'm I'm too much for you. I'm too far along. Here's what I think you need. Here's a list of people that I think would be a great fit. If you want to start a search, here's a short list of search firms that I know aren't going to screw you or uh, not understand what you're looking for or force you into hiring something that's not right for you. And call me. You know, if you have questions, I'm, I'm happy to help. Having spent eight years almost working for people who were a very much pay it forward mentality, it was just kind of like in me to always do the same. You have to do right by people all the time, especially when you're at work. It's not just work and personal. One by one, they said, well, do you want to just consult for us? Do you want to just come, you know, and do a little work? Do you want to consult? And I said, no, because in my mind, you know, I always said I never wanted to, to hustle to pay my rent. And I just felt like I was going to go back in house. It just seemed like the right thing to do. I'm relatively risk averse. And uh, it just didn't seem like something I would be entirely interested in. It's funny, I had no idea Human Race was sponsoring this, but I have to give credit to John Baldino, who is an excellent friend of mine. And he said to me, you know, you can only say no for so long until you have to read the tea leaves. I called everyone back and I said, jokes, I'm going to be a consultant after all. (laughs) And it just kind of turned into this thing where it was a matter of like, I'd seen a lot of startup folks and people, you know, that uh, the, the Philly startup HR community specifically, you know, we would all speak to each other and we'd share who got wrapped up with a bad benefits broker, who had gotten tagged by, you know, a search firm that they wish they never met and all these regrettable decisions And I felt like, all right, if I can at least insulate these people from getting connected to the wrong folks and just kind of approach this with not, you know, a copy paste mentality where I go in, I have to have this agenda. You have to do what I tell you to. And I'm very open about what I don't do because not all of this work is great. Could I do sexual harassment training? Sure. Is it going to be awesome? No. And in the summer, I had a lot of folks reach out to do DEI work. That's not one of my focus areas. And you can't half-ass that. So you have to, you know, be able to contact people who are, you know, either in your network or they want they want a chance, they want an opportunity. They're not ready to go out 100% on their own yet, but they have to get started. And that's where, you know, I'm able to tag Tamara in. So while we like to brand ourselves as TNT and we absolutely hey. need to merge... We are not officially business partners, but we are firm believers in passing the mic, getting out of the way when it's not either your time, your place, your energy, and making sure that, again, you know, trying to connect people to the right resources. So that way, when you have a a client that you're working with or a potential client reaches out, you know, and it's not one of your areas of focus, these are people's lives. Are, are heavily affected by the work that we do. So you want to make sure that you can tag them in. And that's how Tamara and I stay connected kind of in this consultative nature. 
additionally, we being kind of like in the same groups of people and sharing same thought around a lot of this work that we do, we have the opportunity to do things like this podcast or um, technically media, which has outlets based in the DC area as well as Philadelphia, often reach out to Tamara and myself. They call us TNT also. So that's fun. But you definitely want to have that person that you can say, if I'm going to go into this space and I'm nervous about it, I'm going to bring someone that I know because it's also about support. You have to have someone that's going to have your back and either tell you when you're being silly (laughs) and ridiculous or to get out of your own way, basically. And that's how it happened. First of all, (laughs) that was a very John Baldino comment that he gave you. As soon as you said that, I was like, (laughs) that's Baldino all day long. I initially started doing some HR consulting 10, 15 years ago when I was like between jobs. I knew a lot of people who would reach out to me when they needed, you know, maybe a project done, but they didn't need a full HR service or, you know, they might have already had someone in-house doing HR, but they were overwhelmed or whatever. And so they just needed to reach out for some additional help. So I was doing that. I transitioned to doing social media management consulting actually for about four years because I just happened to be really good at using social media. And so people thought that I was a social media manager, but I really wasn't, but I would be if they paid me to do it. I was doing that for a lot of small businesses, but then I decided I would like to go back to having a regular paycheck. That's when I went back to working full-time, which I'm doing now, but then I'm still doing consulting on the side I do less general HR consulting now, although, of course, I'm still able to do that. I do a lot now focusing on mental health in the workplace, which is my key area that I speak on and how that impacts DNI. Unlike Talia, I'm not consulting as like my full-time, everyday lifestyle as of now. I work and consult versus HRMB, which what celebrating its one-year anniversary. Yes. One year yesterday. And like she said, we're not business partners per se, but we definitely look to each other, not only to tag team on different topics, but also kind of like just for general backup. Like, what do you think about this situation? What do you think about this? Like just having someone that we could always go to about different things. So it's worked out very well. Tell your timing is very interesting to celebrate one year of your business literally weeks before everything got shut down. We've talked a lot on the show in the last year with people that obviously it's it's affected us all personally and professionally. Can you, both of you talk a little bit about what type of pivoting did you have to do in the last year or did you? And then how were your client needs affected? And, you know, Tamara, I know you said you're not doing it day to day now, but even with those part-time clients that you have, did you do any pivoting in that time? I didn't really have to because my work always was online. I've done, you know, all the presentations and information that I've done for groups and clients could easily do online. It didn't make things that much more difficult for me. It's funny, I actually did go and travel to do a presentation right when COVID was getting big. And I was like, this is the last trip I'm going on because I was entirely too nervous being on the plane and being in the hotel. And I was like, nope 
can't do this. But thanks to, you know, the beauty of technology, I've really been able to not have to turn anything down or anything because so many companies have gone virtual anyway. I could still do the same work. Four weeks before COVID is when I officially kind of started HRMB. And myself, I am I'm a mega extrovert and I am a hugger and I am a social person. I like to go places and meet people and see them. And my entire approach had to change. <laughs> and I was so nervous because, well, first of all, I had no idea what I was doing. Let me just say that. In the beginning, remember when everyone was getting those emails like, oh, I hope this finds you well. And everyone's like, I stop telling, stop saying that I'm not well. Nobody's you know, well. <laughs> I don't have COVID, but no one's well. And I thought, God, how do I, how do I change my reach outs to number one, not seem like the disingenuous HR person who's trying to capitalize on, oh, you suddenly had to work from home. Here's some tips or let's do this. And in the meantime, the entire focus of my business was startups and small businesses that were getting absolutely destroyed. Because if you were a startup that was getting your next seed round, or you were in the middle of fundraising, you just watched all of your possible finance options go completely away. Everything was gone. Um, The traditional VCs and PE firms in Philly that everyone goes to when you're a Philly startup were not lending. And there was just no money. Instead of trying to figure out, you know, how to make and how to get in, right? I just basically started to give things away. Like everyone, we're listening to all of our employment law friends. We all have the same ones, it seems, and that's great. And I was just going to every webinar that I could. And when people would reach out and say, what do you know? I wouldn't charge for it because it wasn't my content. I was literally just repeating something that I had heard or sending someone a link to listen to Kate or to listen to Eric and, you know, just, just try to give as much information as I could. Um, Because that's what people needed. They needed an empathetic voice of reason to not take advantage of them in a situation that none of us have ever lived through before, while people's businesses were literally crumbling. I was very fortunate that I had one client in the mix that was very COVID averse. So I was hanging on to them and just kind of like reaching out to people here and there just to say, I'm going to this. This is free. If you're interested, you should come. And just trying to keep people connected in ways that I felt like they could absorb because there was so much to take in and it was just small bites, small doses. I started, I guess it was like a little series. I don't know. It was just for me to basically keep my mental health in order while staying connected to my friends. Uh, LinkedIn lets you upload videos that are under 10 minutes. So I started this little, you know, with a little help from my friends is what I was calling it. And I was inviting people from all the HR areas that you could think of that I don't specialize in. So I had Tamara on for Mental Health Awareness Month. I had a recruiter friend of mine who works for a search firm in the city telling people how to reach out and try to job search in this very, very unpredictable turn of events. I did have a lawyer on. Just people sharing best practices for like how to handle your toddlers and using M&Ms as currency to try to get them out of your office. <laughs> When you were in a meeting and just like small things, I found myself suddenly working nine feet away from my husband. You know, it's just like all these crazy things. So I was just trying to create content, I guess, that I felt, you know, was meaningful to people and helping them understand like, listen, this entire HR function is in the mix too. And here are some, you know, pro tips that you might be able to get. You know, once I think people started to realize, okay, I'm not going to lose my entire business. 
but I need to pay attention to people and I don't really know how to do that. And here's this person that has, you know, tried to stay in touch and is making these little videos and trying to show a little bit of humanity. That helped me reach out um, and still kind of feel like I was myself, but also, you know, still showcasing others who focus in areas where I don't. And that's, that's what I did. And it worked. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Humoriso, an award-winning HR outsourcing consultancy, invites businesses of all sizes to its successful strategies to manage talent, recruit for skills gaps based on employee inventories, assess markets for growth, develop long-range succession plans, and influence a culture of enthusiastic buy-in. Through its flagship HRO plan, Humoriso helps businesses save money, increase productivity, and reduce legal risks by providing dedicated HR consulting for training and development, recruitment, HR technology, and strategic engagement. Learn more at www.humoriso.com or call 844-HUMORISO. That's 844-H-U-M-A-R-E-S-O. Thanks again to Humoriso for sponsoring the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now, back to the show. And we are back continuing our conversation about consulting work with Talia and Tamara. One of the things you guys have talked a lot about is, you know, passing the mic, making sure you're finding the right people to do that. Because none of us are experts in everything. We, we can't be. How have you gone about building your consultant network? And then how do you maintain it? Social media for me is everything. Like social media is how I have made so many connections, so many people see me on social media, they see what I'm talking about, they get to hear my POV. And then when they're looking for someone to speak on certain topics, they'll reach out to me. Or I've had people reach out to me because someone else reached out to me and recommended me. I, unlike Talia, am not an extrovert. I'm actually a very intense introvert. We are on opposite ends of the spectrum with that. Uh, <laughs> so social media has really been my my lifeline as far as just networking and reaching out. And you have platforms to, you know, share your writing and your videos and your, you know, everything. That's pretty much my go-to. Full disclosure, there are things, sometimes I have to Google how to tweet. I'll text Tamara and say, is this how you tweet? I just did that three weeks ago. That is, that is <laughs> so you might text messages to prove it. I guess I was like kind of a late adopter, I guess, to Twitter. And I used it, you know, primarily for things like yelling about the Philadelphia Eagles or complaining about fantasy football. And, you know, it was largely non-work related. And then, you know, working for an e-commerce company, that changed the way that I approached social media. Because you don't really have much of a choice when you're bus- when the when the company you work for is 99% on the internet. Using Twitter specifically, or even LinkedIn, following people and seeing what they're saying, and then realizing that it happened at least two or three times over a series of conference events. Um, and that's actually how I ran into Tamara for the first time because I'm looking at people's name tags and I, because of the, because of my personality associating their name tags with the person I've been following on Twitter for the past, you know, two days, three days, however long the conference is. 
and then speaking to them in real life. In Tamara's case, completely mispronouncing her name and shouting at her across a massive space. <laughs> which, knowing that she is so all I saw was hair, big <laughs> hair. again using social media just a little bit differently right so tamara's interacting with people you know online because that's her comfort zone for me i would rather if i can you know connect with you in person because i don't consider myself to be a writer i'm certainly not a blogger by any stretch so if i have to say something like witty in a couple characters i can do that my personality i don't feel like lends itself super well to the character limitation. I'm more of um, like, let's talk and hang out. And I, I don't, I think kind of like Northeast area is very built for that also. Someone's always got an event um, and it's hard to put yourself out there at first, you know, even pre I'm eliminating COVID from, from this, but even pre COVID, it was hard to put yourself out there. I, you know, I would go to events. I didn't know 90% of the people that were there but I knew who I was, I knew what I was good at, and I knew the type of conversation I wanted to have. And I would only put myself in spaces where I felt like people were like-minded. I never wanted to go to go to a place or network with people just for the hell of it. Like, oh, there's HR people over here, I'm going to go there. Because then you just kind of get stuck in this void of complaining about your C-suite and uh, you didn't get budget for something or you people want to talk about applicant tracking systems like there's space for that and that's all fine and good but is that really how you want to spend your time is that really how you want to build your network go to the spaces and try to connect with the people that speak to you like personally they make you feel good about the work that you're doing because this is not necessarily a job that people are always positive about if you hear too much of that it it does affect you at least it does that's my opinion because it does affect me I have no idea if I answered your question, John. I'm so sorry. Well, I think it was Wendy's question. But mine kind of ties into that a bit. I, I think one thing that particularly when you go out on your own, you become your own business mm-hmm. development person as well. You obviously have connections and, you, and you're nurturing those. You have other consultants, you know, and maybe you partner up or you maybe you can take work that they yeah. can't. As you're developing that client base, how do you maintain your visibility? I guess ultimately... What do you do to let people know what you do? One of the ways I stay visible, especially if I have to pass off work, and when I say that, it's because, like I said earlier, I'll use DEI um, as a focus area because it's not mine. And I had a client reach out, um, someone that I was actively working with, and they said, hey, we want to add this to to the project list. And I said, great, I'll pair you up with three people that I know that could be a good fit, but I know they do excellent work and I'll let you choose. I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. There's no kickback. That's not what this is for. We're going to do something good here. What I do is ask the company client or not after they've been paired up with someone that I know if they wouldn't mind if I join, I'm staying involved and kind of like engaged. I also get to learn because I'm now attending a session that I would otherwise not have been able to go to. I learn. And then hopefully if that relationship works out well, the company will either come back to me because they'll think I'm a strong referral source. And they'll just keep asking me like, do you do this? Or do I have to go to this other person? Or who do you know? And you just kind of keep it going. The key is to connect people. If you have to pass the mic to someone that you know is going to do good work. And also be incredibly honest 
about what is not your focus area. Because I see a lot of people getting into something that is, I hate to use the word popular, but that's really what it became for people who are not living and doing the work. They just kind of jumped on it because they knew they could make money. And that's gross. You have to do the work that you know you're good at and be humble enough to pass the mic, even though you're, you're saying no to money. But you're really doing anyone a disservice if it's not something, I'm not saying like, don't try something new. I'm saying that if it's a very specific focus area, and as a consultant, you know that that's not your area of expertise, that you need to make a good connection. But to to go back, I think to the question it was like, how do you stay involved with a company after you essentially pass them off? And that's how I do it. You're mindful about who you connect these companies with. And then you investigate, you know, hey, I'm glad I could partner you with them. Do you mind if I join? And then you get to learn as well. So you're kind of like staying visible in that way too. I 100% agree with Talia. I've definitely had some situations where, you know, I've had to tell people or I chose to tell people, you know, I could do this for you, but this other person could probably do it better. I just think that's being very genuine. And sometimes it's not people that I know personally, like I know Talia as a person, but sometimes it's just people who I've seen their work. Mm -hmm. And so I know from seeing their work that, you know, this is more their lane. And so I would rather do that than, you know, do something good, but it's not my lane. So it's not going to be necessarily as great as this other person's. As far as visibility, I've actually been really lucky, I guess, to have had some big name companies, you know, reach out to me to talk about my work, to talk about my views on mental health in the workplace, you know, dealing both before COVID and during COVID and things like that. So being able to have those type of opportunities to put myself in front of, you know, large groups of people because these are large businesses with a huge base has been helpful to me in staying visible. I also think when you have to graciously hand someone off, the response and your phrasing and honesty is memorable because there are a lot of people that will say yes because, you know, there's a there's a paycheck at the end. But there's not a lot of people who are going to say no, and here's why, and give a completely proper explanation that's thorough and and genuine, and then make a strong referral. That's to me is memorable, and it's you know in terms of developing yourself as a brand or a business. For me, that was something that was really important, so I, I stuck with that. But I think that's kind of note to all. You're really managing how you are as an operator. When you can have a very honest conversation with someone, that leaves an impression. And I do believe that people remember honesty and appreciate the candidness, but then also, you know, having that strong referral. I really like that because, you know, one of the things that I think probably keeps a lot of folks from going out on their own, and Talia, you mentioned it earlier, is, you know, you don't want to have to hustle for your paycheck. And then, you know, here you are advocating giving work away, essentially. But, you know, if you build a strong network, it, it comes back around. I think that's what we, we forget about some in that hustle mentality yeah. is things will come around. If mm -hmm. you can refer good people, good people will, will refer you and everyone's stronger for it. I like it. 
what have you learned since going out on your own or having a side hustle of consulting that has surprised you? And what do you wish you had known beforehand? I don't know that it necessarily surprised me, but it's just what I don't love. It's really kind of, you know, the business aspect of it. That's a big part of why I went back to working full time because I just want to do what I do, what I'm passionate about. I don't really want to have to do BD or accounting or any of those other things that come along with running a business. That's not my zhuzh right there. I wouldn't say it surprised me because obviously if you're running a business, you have to do all these things. I'm 100% a proponent of like doing your own thing, not having to quote unquote answer to anyone other than like your your customers. But I also do realize there's a lot that comes along with that. And you have to be able to have the wherewithal to deal with all of that. And I just felt like, you know, it's not where my head is at right now. I mean, I may want to go back to being a full-time consultant at some point in the future, but like right now, I have a lot more money in my savings now. (laughs) I do want to add, I have the super privilege of being on my husband's benefits. That in itself is how you get to say, no, I don't do that work. I, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention that because healthcare in this country, my God. I'd always heard about imposter syndrome, but I never knew what that felt like. I think that when I was helping build a startup, there are some things that you just kind of like patch together and hope for the best. If I'm being completely honest, you just go, all right, we'll triage this over here. And then maybe we'll get to plan for the future. And then the future is there faster than you know it. Um, And it's different when you're kind of like, faking it until you make it when you have a parachute that's the size of an organization, right? No one's really going to make you, no one's really, you're, you can't possibly fail and break a business, right? At least not for me. I had done some stuff where I was like, oh, we'll cross our fingers and we'll hope for the best. This is so much different than that. This is like a fairly consistent second guessing of if someone's going to like your work I've always been someone that was really hard on, I'm really hard on myself in general. I've always been like this and I wasn't expecting it to somehow be harder. I didn't really know what it would feel like. And for some reason, it's like always on a Thursday. I don't know if it's because so much of the week has piled up and it's almost over, but I feel like, how is this possible? Like, how is this working? When's it all going to fall out from under me? So Tamara gets frantic texts and she's like, be calm, (laughs) try to, you know, put things into perspective for me. And it seems like it's a complete fluke for me. That is often what it feels like. And that is because I am so hard on myself and then not realizing how very real imposter syndrome is. And I'm hoping that that, I don't think that ever goes away from the, from what I've read, the people who experience that it doesn't actually go away. I think sometimes it gets better, but dealing with that is interesting. And I think people and businesses just still appreciate empathy and kindness and support, even without COVID in the mix. Those things existed pre-COVID. People will appreciate those three things post-COVID and businesses do too. And I think if you are a reasonable person that has a good handle on who they are as, as, as an individual and how that 
fits into work and how that work fits into someone else's business, then that was a surprise to know that it would go so well. One of the things that has benefited both Talia and myself in trying to deal with the ramifications of COVID and how it's impacting people and the workplace is that we just really weren't a-holes to start with. You know? <laughs> and so we didn't really have to like change our personalities too much to deal, you know, to understand how this all is impacting people. It's just like Taya was saying, like, come from a place of empathy, a place of compassion, a place of understanding. I'm in some HR Facebook groups and such, and I'm like, I would hate to work for y'all because (laughs) what y'all doing over there? Y'all act Mm -hmm. like the people are robots or something. It's just having such a lack of compassion. And, you know, that's why a lot of times we get the bad rap as HR people, right? It's like, they're not there for you. They don't understand. They this, they that, because it's like, you're treating people so differently. I'm like, how do you treat people a different way than you would want to be treated? We're employees too. If you're a jerk to your staff, are you a jerk to yourself? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. So it's helpful in times of distress to have a good place to be coming from. So you don't have to try to figure that part out when there's already so much other stuff to have to figure out. A lot of listeners have probably thought about going in the consultant route over the years, or maybe they're thinking about it now. Final question for both of you would be, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about going out on their own? And then are there any specific resources you would recommend to them as they're considering that? And Tamara, we'll start with you. What I would say is think about the business. Don't just think about, I'm good at this thing, so let me start a business doing this thing. Think about all of the things that come with having a business. Think about your pricing. Are you going to be able to afford benefits? Do you intend to get staff at some point? Are you going to be able to cover that? Like All of those things outside of what your actual specialty area is. If you intend to just be a full-time consultant, think about that as well if you're starting a business. Because I think a lot of times people just think, you know, oh, I can do this thing. And so instead of doing it for some other company, I'll do it for myself, not realizing that there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes along with it. So I would say that. And also get your network up, like reach Mm -hmm. out to other people who you see have been successful at consulting and, you know, get some advice from them on how they built their business. You know, maybe if they're in your same area, do they have some connections, things like we were talking about earlier. This is probably best situated for the people who are overachiever, hard on themselves people. This, this, this will probably resonate with, with that group. I gave myself a year as ironic enough as it was, like I didn't know that there was going to be a global health crisis within my first year, but I wanted to give it enough time to where I personally could feel like this is viable or I have to go back in house. I went into it thinking if I have to go back in house, that's not a fail. It just didn't suit me. And I approached it the way I would any job. 
for me, I need to give everything a decent amount of time. And for some reason, one year is always like my, my framework. So if I were to go get a new job, I don't know that I would love it or hate it if I didn't give it a year. So I treated myself like my own job (laughs) and figured I'll do 12 months of this. Like I said, I had the health insurance piece covered. I knew I was going to be able to figure out, you know, how to generate revenue in some way in in 12 months, see if it was viable if I had to go back in house. So for me, that timeline gave me enough grace for myself to, you know, be kind because I'm very kind to others, but for some reason, passing that on to myself is hard. So I would just say for the people who want to try this and you are in the category of overachieving too, too hard on yourself, I think just give it enough time and don't feel like this is, if you, if it doesn't work out, it's a fail. It's right. just, it's just a job. You gave it everything you had. And if you have to go back in house, then you do. Or if you have to do something part-time, like, you know, Tamara and I, we don't want to discredit, you know, calling something a side hustle because a side hustle is how you start. It's how a lot of people even get started in this. So I don't want to make it seem like that that's, you know, dismissed if you're doing something on the side. Lots of people have to do that until they can build up their business so that they can quit their full-time job and go out on their own. There's a lot of things that are tied to full-time employment. I would just say, give yourself grace and make sure that you don't give up on it too easily. And that if it doesn't work out, you did not fail. Having a backup plan doesn't hurt. Ladies, we can't thank you enough for the time and for this conversation. Like we said at the outset, we're doing things a little differently. And uh, Wendy, I don't know about you, but I learned a lot in terms of how you've both approached it. I'm sure most of our listeners are probably connected with you, but if they are not, first off, Tamara, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Go to my website, which is Tamara, T-A-M-A-R-A, M as in Mary, R-A-S as in Sam, B as in boy, E-R-R-Y dot com, Tamara and Raspberry dot com. All of my social media sites are, are on there. Some of my writing is on there, videos, etc. So you can always reach me um, through there. And then how about you, Talia? My socials are on my website as well. The website is HRNB, HRN like Nancy, B like boy, consulting.com. We will have both of those in the show notes. And then Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there? Uh, best way is on my website, my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Well, once again, I want to thank Humoriso for sponsoring this episode in the month of February. Again, John, team at Humoriso, we love you and we really do appreciate your support. As for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen and share. That's all we ask. International listeners, love to have you as part of the conversation. Reach out to us. Let's start those conversations. And hey, if you're a consultant, let's definitely talk about what you're doing, where you are. Tamara, Talia, again, really appreciate you being with us. So for the HR Social Hour Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 